Uh, I'm not going to read the verses. I'll read them as I preach, and it'll save us some time. But I want to I want to preach on this subject: lessons or instructions uh, that comes from foreign universities. From foreign universities, Paul said, "That was given to me a thorn in the flesh." What do you learn when you enter into foreign the university of foreign? What are you going to graduate knowing? Come pray for us, preacher, if you will, please. How many of you have been praying for Brother Randy over the years? And you, you're going to keep doing it. He's here to help. He's here to be a, a help to his, to his preacher and to his brother and uh, to our family. And I appreciate him. They have uh, come for the duration. They have come to help. Uh, they didn't come to get paid. They didn't come to get bragged on. But I sure do appreciate Phyllis. Thank you. And uh, we appreciate you. They are, are there at Angela's home helping her with her kids, uh, making sure that all her medication and everything is right, and just helping us out. We're tremendously thankful and grateful for God's goodness. I don't know what I would do, and Diane and I would do right now, without some intervention, and God, God for that. Father, as I think about the fault that he's going to preach on tonight, Almost seven years, and I'm still in that university. And don't know, Father, that I'll ever graduate from the University of Thorns until you come, or either death comes. Then graduation time will come. And Father, I pray tonight, all of us, I come here tonight for help. As we'll preach Sunday morning in Oakwood, a fall we've been working on out of Chronicles, Second Chronicles chapter 20. When Moab invaded Judah, Moab, the type of the world, Judah, the tribe, the word means praise. When the world tries to knock your joy out. And sometimes when the hope seems to be gone, the help please. When you read the verse 3, it said they cried unto the Lord. And God, how many times in this university with thorns? God, we didn't even know how to shed a tear. But when the chemo hit this body, it dried these tear ducts up. And unless you let water flow from it, it'll never happen. So, God, I pray tonight for my buddy. I pray for this church. God, known across this country, so blessed, and yet they come, and Lord, I wonder how many of them leave here taking it for granted. This isn't happening everywhere. Father, I'm calling on you tonight. Touch him. Clear his mind. Anoint His faults. Touch His heart. God, I pray the fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost of God would fall on my buddy tonight. If you've ever let Him preach, He's preaching on a subject tonight where we're living. And God, help us. Take the Word in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Thank you so much. 
There is a whole lot of theology today that is floating around, and um, a lot of it is good, and a lot of it is not. There's a there's is a theology floating around that uh, Kenny Grant told me was cotton candy theology. He said uh, it looks good, it feels good, it tastes good, but about as quick as you can touch it, it's gone. And that's about how. Some of our theology is. There is a theology that says if you have problems, if you have difficulties, if you have heartaches, then your flesh and your faith is just too weak and you need to believe God more. And so I call that a cotton candy. Really, uh, that's about a lie because it ain't cotton and it ain't candy. Have Have you ever thought? It's just evaporation on a stick. And that's about what a lot of people's beliefs are, especially on cable TV. You have to be careful what you listen to. You can hear great preaching one moment and bones the next. So, but I want to talk to you tonight on the subject of um, instruments or instructions, rather, from Thorne University. I want to give you quickly these. I want you to write them down. Number one, I want you to see the first instruction, and it's this, the gift of the thorn. Paul said in verse number 7, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given. Everybody say that. Given. Everybody. Given. God had given as a gift to Paul a thorn that has brought him under control so that he will not get caught up in believing everything he's seen about himself when he was delivered into the third heaven. I was listening to this today, and the Holy Spirit of God began to speak to me. And here is a wonderful thought and a wonderful truth from this verse. The more you know, the more you're capable of doing, the more successful you become, and the more talents you have to give to God, uh, you're going to find yourself in in an abundance of revelation. You're going to find yourself in the middle of God letting you see things some folks never see. Let you do things some folks never do and go places that other folks never go. But going along with that, God will come along and gift you with something that will keep you and your feet on the ground. Am I right about it? And uh, sometimes that is a thorn. The word thorn does not mean like that's on a rose stem, a prickling uh, uh, thorn that goes into the hand and irritates. I did not know the word thorn is interpreted a stake or a tie-down, a placement, uh, as if you would stake out something. God drove a stake through the life of the Apostle Paul, lest he should be exalted above use or above help or above sensitivity to the Holy Ghost. You let anybody in here go to heaven and be brought back in their body and sat down in North Augusta and they'd want to be president of all the spiritual societies and they'd want to be the chief potentate in the place. But God said, I'll drive a stake through his life so that, now listen close, so that he will be usable because I have a purpose and it is not finished yet. What if Paul had a blown gasket and quit or blown a gasket and got proud, or blown a gasket and got puffed up with his own ego, how much of the Bible would we have missed because of his revelation? 
But God said, away, a bunch of people's going to get help. A far cry more people's going to get help than Paul's going to hurt. And so he drove a stake through his life and staked him out. And it was a gift. The Bible says, all good, I feel a little preach now, all good and perfect gifts cometh down from the Father, from above, from the Father of light. Nothing ever comes into your life that God doesn't give it to you so that you can make it through in your ministry. You folks who are soul winners, you folks who are Sunday school teachers, you folks who are staff members, you folks who work in this ministry and you've seen revelations of abundance, oh, we get to see baptisms every week, we get to see the altars wet every week, we get to see God do something every week. Now, that's wonderful, but I want to tell you there is an attack that comes from hell because of it. And there is also uh, some strenuous activity that comes from God because of it. Because we want to get up and brag about how good we're doing. We want to brag about how wonderful our church is. And we're doing better than the Methodists. And we're the fundamentalists with a capital F. And we can do it all. There ain't nothing. Hey, we're it. Yo, we're it. But God let something crazy happen. And you ain't yo. You ain't even no. You can't even go yo. Because you're too busy figuring out what happened. And God says, I want to do it again with you, but I can't do it again with you if you think you deserve it or if you get big-headed and you want to run off and let everybody brag about you and start patting you on the back. I can't use you because they will. Are you listening? I don't know. Why everything happens to everybody, it does. But I do know this, it's a gift. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. There's some gifts that I've gotten I didn't want. How many of you remember Paul Kenny used to come to church here? Paul Kenny had all them badges on his coat right down there. Took him 35 minutes to change them badges on every coat he wore to church. He finally got tired and just wore one all the time, that green one. Remember? He come to me one Christmas. He said, Preacher, I love you. I said, Paul, I love you too. He come out behind his back. He said, I got you something. I said, Well, Paul, I sure appreciate it. He said, Well, I love you, and I want you to know that I do. And I said, I love you, and you have a great Christmas. And he gave me that box, and I opened it. Now, listen, I love Paul Kenny. Paul Kenny was a good brother. But he gave me the ugliest tie I've ever seen in my life. Had I buried it in my yard, it would kill every tree in my yard. How many of you would? Now, don't think that of him because I love him. I, I do. I still love him. He's in a nursing home right now, probably giving ties to nurses that won't even go back in his room. But how many of you have got something like that you just wouldn't award it to a Saturday night fish fry? Let me see your hand. All right. <laughs> but you know something? I had somebody not long ago give me a watch. I like that. I like that. I appreciate that. I mean, I, I, and the reason they gave me one is I borrowed theirs and never gave it back to them, and they bought a cheaper one and gave it to me and got their good one back. And they're here tonight. Listen up. But I appreciated the watch. I could use the watch. Some gifts you get, they'll kill trees in your backyard. 
And there's some gifts you get you appreciate. But hey, all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. He's not doing anything to you. He's doing everything for you. Can somebody give Him praise right there? Alvin said it when he was standing here. He said, I'm really learning like it was a shock to him. And it is, because you don't expect to learn anything in the university of a foreign. But did you hear him standing here? He said, I'm really learning some things in this. Oh, listen, Satan didn't give it to him, but Satan used it. Satan will hide behind God's gift. Satan will hide behind leukemia. He'll hide behind a drug problem. He'll hide behind a sickness. He'll hide behind bipolar. He'll hide behind the difficulties that you're going through. He'll hide behind a cancer cell. He'll hide behind... And here's, here's some of the things he'll say. Uh, look at what your God's doing to you. Yeah, yeah. And then he'll say something like this. Other people get... And, and I'm sure that he must have told Paul this. Other people get well. Why can't you? And then he'll hide behind it and say, look at you. If you really had faith... God could, God could help you, and He could touch you. Let me tell you something. God doesn't give you a thorn for you to back up and believe the power of darkness when it talks to you. He gives you the thorn as a gift because Father knows best. Though the children don't know nothing, the Father is still the president of the universe. Children don't run the university. It's a gift from God. Number two. Number two. Here's the second instrument or instruction that we learn from the university. Not only is there a gift of the thorn, but there's the grief of the thorn. There's the grief of the thorn. What does he say? Three different periods. Not, I, I never seen this until I was studying this. Three different periods of time. I always thought, he said, Oh God, take this thing away from me. Oh God, take this thing away from me. Jesus, please take this thing away from me. That's not how it happened. It was three seasons of fasting. It was three seasons of, of prayer. G. Campbell Morgan and F.B. both said, This could have been years in one verse. Seasons that would go months. He would beg and grieve over his problem. And he'd beg God and plead with God and try to touch the hem of his garment for help. And he'd beg God for strength and beg God for power. But what he really wanted was what's underlined, that it might depart from me. How many of you have ever had something come to you and you didn't understand it, you didn't care if you ever understood it, you just wanted it out of your life. Uh-huh. All of us go there, and there is the grief of the thorn. Yes, sir. Three times, three different periods, he begged. Now listen to me. Listen to me. One preacher said this, and I remembered it long enough to write it down. God is not in the business of harming you but He is in the business of hurting you. Now listen close. He will, you know, and, and you see how quiet it got in here when I said that because that's not necessarily kosher. 
in a Baptist congregation. Uh, God won't hurt me. I beg your pardon. He will not, listen to me, He will not harm you, or, 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 or will He knock you out of the way, nor will He beat you away from Him using you. But I want to tell you, He will hurt you. I want to give you an illustration. There's an old man dying. He's about blind. He's in the book of Genesis. Uh, the Bible says uh, that Esau was out hunting, and Jacob came to his uh, father, and he got some, some, some hide from an animal and put it on his arm so the, man, the old man could feel him and he would feel hairy because Esau was hairy, and Esau had the blessing, and, and Jacob wanted it. Jacob came to, to his daddy, and uh, he said, I, wanna, I want that, that blessing. And he said, well, you feel like Esau, and, and you smell like uh, Esau, but you sound like Jacob. He said, no, I'm Esau. Jacob means schemer. It, it means defrauder. It means ankle grabber. It means trickster. It means smoothie if you're a teenager. And he was a con artist. And he said, my name's Esau. He lied. He schemed. You go up to the 32nd chapter of the book of Genesis, and you'll find him, his brother's coming after him now with about 400 hungry military, I mean mighty people, and they're coming to kill him. He's going out to meet him, thinking, what am I going to do? Well, the night before he meets his brother, you know the story, been in there for years and years, and you've heard it. An angel came down, and all of a sudden, uh, the Bible says that Jacob grabbed him, and here they went. And that he wrestled with him all night. He fought with him into the wee hours of the morning. Don't miss this. God showed me a wonderful principle right here. He wrestled with him and fought with him. And all of a sudden, the daylight was rising. The angel said, I've got to go. It's time to quit this mess. Jacob said, I'll not let you go till you bless me. And that angel smote him on the fire. I tell you, it hurt. You, let me take a baseball bat and knock your hip out of joint. Will God hurt you? <laughs> He'll hurt you. Why though? Why did it happen? I've always thought he won God's blessing because he fought all night. That ain't it. He won God's blessing and God's help and God's strength because he quit fighting. It was after God hurt him that he got the blessing. When he couldn't fight and he couldn't run. Two things Jacob loved to do was run, fight, and lie. God, he come, he come out of that thing, oh God. And he was limping and never, ever quit limping. And he come out of that and his, his children, they're coming back across the creek and he's coming back out of them woods. They said, Daddy, there's his 12 boys. What happened to you? He said, I won the victory. <laughs> I, 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 I whooped them, boy. I, I won the victory. Well, God, you don't look like you won. He didn't win because he fought. It's when he quit fighting. And God hurt him that He won the blessing from God. Ladies and gentlemen, your fighting with God all night long ain't going to win you nothing but Him hurting you. And when He hurts you, 
he'll he'll stop your running, and he'll now that's why the thorn comes, and we grieve because of the thorn because we want it out of us. But what is God trying to do? He's trying to get us to the crippled place where we can't run. And the last thing they said, Jacob, you want to fight some more? Oh God, no! I, I don't need to fight no more. I just I just need to get somewhere where I can I can heal up. Well, we ain't got to we ain't got to put another rope on him. We ain't got to chain him down. He ain't going far. Why? He can't. God said, "Now I can bless you because you can be trusted with." Me. You know what God does with the thorn? He cripples us up. Listen closely now. He cripples us up and and helps us and encourages us. So look at the third one real quickly. I know what time it is. The grace of the thorn. The grace of the thorn. God replied. I mean. Months has gone by. Months has gone. It's turned into years, maybe two or three. And Paul saying, God, I need your help. I need your strength. This thing's killing me. I don't know what his thorn was. You don't either, so let's leave it alone. I don't know what. I just know this. I don't care what it was. If it was staked out in you, it don't matter. And he, he, he does not have one thing he has said during that time. And then God speaks and says this, My grace. It's sufficient for this. Now, the cable TV program will say your faith's not strong enough. The cable TV program will say your faith is not big enough. If your faith was what it ought to be, and you send me $25 for a prayer cloth, we can get you some help. You can send all the burlap there is in America to Randy Rye, and I promise you this, all he's going to have is a whole lot of burlap to do something with. Are you listening? That that grace, God said, I'm going to give to you something better than a healing. I'm going to give you my unmerited presence in your problem. Instead of healing you, I'm going to get in your trouble with you with unmerited faith. When Alvin was, I had no idea he was going to say what he said. I'm glad he did when he was standing up here. He said, the Lord is so good. The Lord's blessing us. And the next sentence, you, you could feel and you could hear his heartstrings tearing for his kids. He said, but I'm learning things in this. And I, I even thank the Lord and bless his name for this. What is he saying? That even though he has problems and this, even though he has difficulties and he's got a youngin' and he's got uh, uh, problems with that, that child, praise God, he also has the divine presence of a holy God that is in the midst of the situation with His power. <laughs> Preachers, write this down. You can preach on this. There's four things about that grace I'm going to mention, and I'm just going to give it to you. It was a powerful grace. Why? Because He said, My grace. It ain't Joseph's grace, or Anne's grace, or Grandma's grace, or Papa's grace, or Nana's grace. He said, my grace! It is a powerful grace. Not only that, it's plentiful. He said, my grace is sufficient. Say that with me. Sufficient. Say it with me. Sufficient. That means there's plenty of it. He said, in the valley... He restoreth my soul. He said, He knoweth my heaven all. 
yonder in that hog lot. Down yonder where them pigs and piglets are rooting around in the slot and the muck and the mire stands a prodigal. He said, what am I doing off down here when old Ringo and Cracker Jack and Whiplash is sitting on the back porch of my daddy's house and it says, and they have food to spare in the home lot of self-will, they ain't nothing but slop. But on Popo's back porch, there is sufficiency for all your needs. Somebody ought to praise him right there. <laughs> it's plentiful grace. And not only that, <laughs> I don't know if you're tired of this or not, but I'm about drunk in God. Not only is it powerful and plentiful, but it's personal grace. Notice what he says. For thee. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. What old Kenny Grant said about this thought when we was uh, in, in, uh, over in uh, Charlotte and preaching. He said, it's not, it's not a generic a kind of grace. It's not a one fit all grace. He said it's a prescribed grace. He said it's just for you. It ain't no generic kind of <laughs> I've been trying to get to church since Tuesday. I think I'll just stay a while. Hallelujah. Not only that, look at the fourth one. Here it is. He says, my grace is made perfect in weakness. This grace is prompt. It's a prompt grace. It shows up right on time. <laughs> she ain't going to be a month late. And you go down when you need grace. And when you need favor. And you need God's power and unmerited presence. Good God, I'm here to tell you, He's going to be there for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Goes right there. What was the first one? Give me those main points, son, if you will. The gift of the thorn that was given to me. I'm going to tell you something. When you come to the place where you can say, God, I want to thank you for the trouble I'm riding. I want to thank you for the devils that's infected portions of my life. I want to thank you for the things you've given to me, for all good and perfect gifts coming from the Father of lights from above. I want to thank you that you make no mistakes. You do up all things well. I want to thank you that you're a God that will never leave nor forsake me. I want to thank you that you're a God right around the corner when trouble comes. I'm glad you're around there boxing his jaws. I'm glad when I need help and I need strength and I need a God. I'm glad. Thank God you're always on time. And I can say, His gift to me, His gift to me, His gift to me. It's trouble that keeps me grubbing along. Not feeling I'm a great preacher. Not feeling I'm a great success right now. I feel like I'm a sorry, low-down, good-for-nothing grub worm. And that's the position God steps in 
and uses you. And then there's the grief of the thorn. Please, God, please. Don't feel bad if you don't want it. The greatest Christian that ever lived in the Bible is begging for release. So where does that put us? God didn't kill him and he ain't going to shoot you. I don't care who left. And I don't care how far he's gone. And I don't care how much trouble he left behind. I know one that still lives at your house. We don't need to dig our roots real deep in people relationships. We need to dig our roots real deep in a Savior relationship because He's the only one that made the divine promise that He'd never walk out on you when trouble comes. And then the grace of the thorn. Look at, look at the, fir- the fourth one, number four. Notice, if you will, please, the growth of the thorn. Notice what He says. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ might rest upon me. Thorns given to you and that stake you out teach you things that make you grow up. You will not learn much eating ice cream. Are you listening? You're not going to learn much asleep and comfortable. You're not going to learn much while you're reclining on life. But when God stakes your life out, and you start having troubles, you wish that God never had come your way. All of a sudden, there's the growth of the thorn. Oh, Paul began to grow in his delight. Look what he says. He says, most gladly. <laughs> God knows most gladly. Most gladly. You stake out. Don't you know where you are? He said, yeah, I, I do. He said, but it's been so good for me. I'll just say most gladly. Notice not only did he, and I'm, I'm, I'm winding up, listen close. He said not only did he, did he learn something in his delight, he learned something in his determination. Notice what he said. Most gladly, therefore, will I. I have found out that when God stakes your life out and you start having troubles that you don't understand, you cannot let your emotions jerk you around. You've got to let your will kick in. You know what's right to do, but it's not easy to do it. You have to kick your will in to make it happen. And then it's not easy. Am I right about it? Notice number three. Uh, not only did he learn in his delight, he said, I, 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 I gladly therefore. Then he said, I will. And then he also grew in his decisions. For he said, here's the reason why this thing's come, that the power of Christ might rest upon me. Let me ask you all something. I'm done. How many of you believe that some of the best preaching I ever do is when I am in the tightest spot in my life? I had a lady, several, but I had a lady come up to me just recently in our Sunday school class, and she said, Preacher, out of your tears, I get a drink of water. She said, out of what you go through, I don't feel alone. She said, and when I see you struggle, it bothers me, but it lets me know I'll never be attacked by you because you've been attacked and you know how it feels. Man, I went home floating. I mean, everything gone to hell in a handbasket. 
And I'm going home saying, glory to God. Hallelujah. Ain't it good that your sermon helps somebody? <laughs> that the power of Christ might rest. Is anything worth not going through? Be careful now to have the power of Christ rest on <laughs> The growth of the thorn. You grow when you're having trouble. Give me the last one, Timmy. The glory of the thorn. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. I ain't never liked this verse of Scripture. I've read it and I ain't never liked it. I don't like it tonight. God knows it, so I might as well tell you. He said, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. How do you do that? You mean there's a place you can go to where you shout about your trouble? Woo! Thank God I ain't got no money. Woo! Hallelujah! My bills are due! Glory! They're coming together! Woo! They're going to get my car next! Amen, boys! My house is going to! Whoa! I'm happy about it! He said, I take pleasure in infirmity. When people reproach me and talk about me and curse me, I just get all excited. He says, in necessity, when I ain't got enough, I'm hungry, not hungry, but hungry in necessities and in being persecuted in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. He's talking out of that verse of Scripture entirely different from my language. What he's saying is, I take pleasure, and I suffer through necessities, and I get persecuted, and I go through distresses for Christ's sake, because it's in doing that with a shout, God gets glory in the university of thorns. Listen to me. God gave me something today. If I hadn't have done nothing but come and tell you this statement, it would have been worth coming to church. Your faith is not a spiritual Teflon that protects trouble from sticking to you. Your faith, and I'm not done, listen close. My, your faith is not a spiritual Teflon that keeps trouble from sticking to you. Your faith is with you when you dance and don't like the song. You just dance anyway if you don't even like the music. And you praise God for what He's done in your life because you know, you know that greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. And you know God does what God does well. And God is not punishing or pushing you. But He's trying to bring you to the place of honoring Him. Three Hebrew children in a fire. Right before they got chunked in, old Nebuchadnezzar said, you got anything to say? He said, live for, oh, live forever, old king. He said, I want to be nice to you because I'm already in a pickle. I want to be nice to you. Live forever, old king. He said, now I know that God I serve is able to deliver me from this fire. But if not. You need an if not shout. You need an if not praise. I need an if not praise. I, I need a praise anyhow praise. I need a shout no matter what's coming out. I need a shout instead of problems and difficulties overtaking me. Let God get the glory out of my life and the power of Christ resurrect in me so that people can see there's a reason to be saved. Stand up with me, please. All over the building. Everywhere. Are you going through foreign University? You need to learn it's a gift. 
God thought enough of you to let you have a problem that's going to, in the end, down in number five, give glory to Him. How many people have been helped through your testimony? How many people watch you suffer and watch you go through things that's not pleasing, not pleasant, and, and, they, and, and they, they say, Jesus must be worth having. And Paul said, for God to get the glory is worth me going through the storm. I wonder how many of you come tonight and stand across here with your thorn. And you say, I'm right in the middle of the biggest problem and the worst hurt I've been in in a long time. Right now, just come on. Play something for me, Mike. I mean, you, you come. I'm right in the middle of the biggest mess I've ever been in. I am totally and absolutely in need of God's supernatural help. I want you to come tonight and recognize He's not trying to kid you. He's not trying to kid you. He's not trying to get you out. He's not trying to do you in. He's trying to let you see that growth, glory, and grace is yours in the middle of the problem. 